We are Nopal Queens, three mental health professionals living in Sacramento, California. Together, we create inclusive spaces for our gente to learn and talk about mental health and wellness in our comunidad. So welcome to the table and let's get into it. Hola, this is La Luna. Welcome everyone to episode 14. I am here, of course, with La Sirena hey. and La Rosa. Hola. And today we're going to bring you guys a really awesome topic on there's no right way to be Latina, Latino, or Latinx. And this um, episode obviously was inspired by all of the awesome feedback that we got from our posts on our um, Instagram page. So really inspired us to bring um, this episode to y'all. We're super excited about it, and we hope we do you all some justice and kind of get into some um, fun facts and um, you know data and stuff about um, exploring Latinidad and what does that look like. So we're going to get started. And we're going to do a quick check-in just so you guys can kind of know how we're doing. It's been a minute. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and let La Sirena check in and let you guys know how they're doing. Hola, La Sirena. ¿Cómo estás? Hola. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'm really good. I am excited to do this episode with you all. And I'm always just excited to be here at the table mm-hmm. with, with you and all of our listeners. Um, and I am pretty busy at work. I think it's like a high season right now in the semester a lot of things are going on so I'm just really trying to keep myself focused and I'm not very much like a detail oriented person and we've got a lot of things that we're planning and it requires details so I'm really like like, uh. I'm trying to hang in there I'm more (laughs) of a vision person (laughs) so um for all of you detail oriented people I super appreciate you I wish I had your skills (laughs) and I need them now so just send me those vibes send Send me those detail vibes vibes, Mm -hmm. please so that's how I'm doing how about you La Rosa uh same busy (laughs) it is also high season for the university counseling center so just seeing students back to back which is good but then like around the afternoon I'm like so tired Mm -hmm. you could ask my coworkers. I just walk around the hallways I'm like I need motivation to write all my notes I'm like I just need like energy to get through the day um but other than that life is pretty good pretty chill um yeah, just need to sleep more, I guess. Wow, I sound so old. Like an adult. <laughs> like a viejita. I need to go to bed. Sleeping <laughs> is very important. Yes, yes. Very important to my mental health. So I'm always just, so proud when I go to bed by nine. Oh, whew, I haven't I feel, been there in I a feel minute. Achieved. Yeah, not that I do it often, but I feel so achieved. I was just like, ooh, I'm in bed, but then I like still yeah. awake. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like I used to be able to go to bed at night and now I'm like, ooh, I'm lucky if I'm in there by like 11. I'm like, girl, get it together. Wow. (laughs) Are you tired or you have that things that you're doing? Um, I feel like I'm definitely a night owl. I hate I'm not a morning person. I'm like, (laughs) don't breathe next to me. (laughs) Um, But so and also my like my partner is also a night owl. So like that's when we kind of catch up. We do a lot of pillow talk and it's Mm -hmm. like we just kind of like it's kind of like our thing. Nighttime is our wind down. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I hate going to bed early because I don't want to miss that. Oh, so I'm like, it's kind of cheesy. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing, girl? I'm doing good. I, um, it's funny. So my coworker and I right now are practicing this thing at work where we are trying to start with positivity before we have, like, if we have a complaint or something we're frustrated about, we kind of mm. try and start with the positive first. Ooh. Um, or for like struggling, um, we try and kind of 
name positive things that we enjoy about someone before talking about our frustrations. So we're really like working on trying to change the tone at work um, and coming more of a place of positivity because we spend so many hours a day there, right? And sometimes it becomes like not always like intentionally, but it does become like a second home because you spend a lot of part of your day there. And um, with the population we serve, uh, it can get challenging. So we're really trying to focus more like working from a positive framework. Um, so that's been kind of nice. Um, and it's been, I feel like it's works usually about the same amount of busyness. So there's just a lot of things that we're trying to build up. The school's still pretty new, mm -hmm. so there's just there's a long way to go to develop like a fully functioning like student services department, mm -hmm. um, and working within so many systems and politics and higher ed or just education in general. Um, so yeah, I think I'm still kind of learning how to navigate that world. So I'm like, wow, this <laughs> is this is fun. This is something. Yeah, I think. <laughs> but overall, I think. Um, uh, the work that we do there at the end of the day is really rewarding. And so for the time being, it's, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm okay there and I'm happy to be there and kind nice. of connecting. Yeah. So yeah. Great. Yeah. To sum it up, we're working. Yeah. <laughs> and we're tired. Yes. <laughs> but we're here. Yes, right. And we want to be here. Yeah. It's exciting. Well, especially for today. Yes. It's a pretty good topic. So um, I feel like uh, we're all ready to like jump into it. So mm -hmm. we're hoping that everyone gets some good information from today and you all enjoy this topic as much as we do. So we're going to get into it. So the first thing I was curious about when we talked about this topic of there's no right way to be Latina, um, Latino or Latinx. So I was wondering, what does Latinidad literally look like in the United States right now? Mm. La Sirena? La Rosa? Well, let's break that down. So according to the census, right now in the U.S., 63% are Mexican, 9% identifies Puerto Ricanos, 3.5% identifies Cubanos, and 33 identify as Salvadoreños. So I think those are like some of the bigger groups. Yeah. We might have missed some, yeah. but that's the information we got in front of us. Um some other information is that uh, Mexicanos are largely represented in the West and the South, such as California and Texas. Um, Cuban and Dominican communities mostly reside in South Florida or New York. About half of uh, Puerto Ricans live in New York. And in South, for Salvadorians, you mostly find them in California and Texas. Um, so that's just information we found mm. from the interwebs, but mm. <laughs> yeah. but we Elisa know that Mets. our that's... community is spread out around the country. Right. And a side note about that, the census is coming up again. Yes. And so make sure you get counted. Yes. Because this information is from the census and we're able to share this with you because of all of our community yes. that signed up. Like show up, create that representation. Yeah represent your community it's so important you know now's the time to create visibility we're done being erased we're done not being represented you know on forms and this registration thing and this document this is how we show up um in order to be able to make an impact for change so definitely yeah. support the census and create that visibility for yourself also, side note, side note, yeah. nice. if you're <laughs> able to vote, vote in your primary election oh, sometime yes. this spring. But yes, back, back to the to topic. Yes. <laughs> nice. 
So where does Comunidad come from and how many were born in their country of origin? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's look at that because it's interesting to hear the percentages that La Rosa was breaking down. Yeah. And I was even thinking like, okay, so now I know what percentages are here, but not all everybody was born here, right? Yeah. Um, So in that same census data, we found that a third of Latinos of Mexican origin are foreign born. Mm -hmm. But Cuban and Dominicans have about half their population foreign born and half born here in the United States. And then El Salvadorians have two thirds of their population that were born in El Salvador and a third born here in the U.S. And then about um, a third of Puerto Ricans were born on the island and then the two thirds were born here in the United States Hmm. on the mainland. So what does that all mean? Right. That's a good question. That means I am part of the one third Salvadorians (laughs) born here in the U.S. But yeah, a lot of Central Americans have been coming lately if you pay attention Mm -hmm. to the news, but it's been a big shift for many decades now. Yeah. So it's safe to say a lot of folks are actually coming from a different country and then migrating over here to the U.S. So basically Latinidad is very diverse in nature because we have to account for where we grew up geographically. Like Mm -hmm. we're different just in that way. Yeah, where we were even born. And not Where'd only you that, uh-huh. but it even goes beyond that because even it even goes beyond like mm-hmm. if you're from a spe- specific region. So for me, I'm from my parents are from Mexico. Right. But even within Mexico, there's so much diversity and so much differences in culture. Like right. what the like what the Malan and here and this and that everyone, even though we cook similar foods, we all have different origins of that food and yeah. different connections and different cultures they mixed in for that food and just different recipes and different dialects so there's even so much difference even within the same like wow. the same region yeah mm. that's such a good point it's so in, it's so crazy it's like it's fascinating yeah. right yeah. Yeah. i think another part of it is also like what generation you are mm. too like yeah. there's like i know for me like my grandma came when she was maybe in her her 30s or 40s and lived here for a while mm-hmm. then went back to El Salvador and then um, my mom and my like her brothers came here and then I was born here and my cousins were born here wow. and then there's generations after that like once my cousins have kids and right. just with um, other like friends that I have that identify as Latino or Latino or Latinx mm-hmm. like their generation makeup or their family makeup looks so different from mine but we're still part of the same community. So it's like right. so many different generations. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like even at uh, the table at Thanksgiving, like my mom oh, yeah. and me and my brother, we were born here. But my mom, several of my mom's siblings were born in Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then my abuelitos were born in Mexico, but they've been here a really long time. And so there's just like not only generations, but exactly like geographically, we are all coming from literally different places, mm-hmm. sharing the same community, though. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are, there's the issue of stereotypes and I think what stereotypes have done is erase the vastness of our diversity mm-hmm. and simplified us into like these general groups where when you think about Latino or Latinidad, you a lot of people think about Mexicans. Well, here in California, yeah. but there's just so many different other folks here yeah. too, right? Salvadorians well, and, and yeah. Nicaraguense gente and yeah. All these folks that are not centered because people just kind of group us all into yeah. Mexicans. And then we take it even further and create erasure oh. for our Afro-Latino population. Ooh. Because historically, Girl, keep going. they've been erased 
by their own communities. So only yes. now are we now seeing more Afro-Latinos taking pride in Latinidad and yes. creating spaces where historically they were erased and removed from history. And I mean, we can go on and on about colorism and all these things, but yeah. that yeah. that also shows even within our community, we've also perpetuated stereotypes and erasure and, you know, just completely just... I don't even know how to say like invalidate a whole absolute. We've erased of individuals. We've yeah. absolutely erased those communities. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'm like mm-hmm. what? But yeah, and I think also along with that, with the Latinidad is that there are so many like like country backgrounds, not only just like the indigenous people, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also people that came from Europe or people that came from Africa or other parts of the world, even Asia. Mm-hmm. Like we're all mixed together in these countries. Yeah. Um, like in El Salvador, we have a big population of Palestinian people. Mm-hmm. And then we just all get what? mixed or a lot of uh, Spaniards. Oh, like, wow. I did not mixed. know that. So in like our racial makeup, it's just like so many countries come together, yeah. but yet we identify as where we were born in this country mm-hmm. and then we speak Spanish. Right. So um, it's, it's interesting. It really is. The Spanish language too plays a big role in how folks generalize us though, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like somehow we all got, like we just went over a bunch of data to show how diverse we are. And then the U S government comes up with this word, Hispanic. Oh, yeah. Just because we all speak Spanish. Spanish. Yes. So, like, it just erased everything we just talked, talked about. Talked about, yeah. And we have to deal with that too, which is why I don't like that word. I struggle so much with that term that, yeah. I mean, and no shade to individuals that use it and choose to identify that way. But for me personally, it's like, I like cringe a little and like yeah. die a little inside when I'm like, no, we could be using more progressive language too. Yes to truly capture our essence and the beauty that is within our diversity and our, right. in our um, comunidades. And it's just, we just, just, there's so much richness in Latinidad that it's like, no, let's find more like progressive and inclusive language yes. to really highlight and celebrate those beautiful parts of our cultura, you know, yes. and what makes us us. That kind of sparked my interest on like my next thing that I was thinking about. So how do you develop an identity in America when you're part of the Latino, Latina, Latinx community? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Complex. That's a complex question because a lot of folks are stuck at, we like straddle several cultural norms, mm-hmm. especially when we talk about the fact that almost two thirds of all Salvadorians and a half of Cuban and Dominicans actually come from their home countries here. They bring with them um, food, Values, beliefs, religion, musica, all kinds of great things. Um, But when they get here to the U.S., we have such a heavy dominant culture, right, of maybe whiteness or just Americanness, whatever that means. They find themselves having to quickly decide who am I here? What's safe for me? Um, and, And often we're straddling several cultural norms. We try to appease both the U.S., and the country of origin, cultural yeah. and social expectations. Yeah. And sometimes it just never feels right. Like yeah. You feel like you never found that perfect formula of like, ah, I have captured both cultures perfectly. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it feels yeah. really awkward. A yeah. Lot of times. And I also think it could be even a, a traumatic or painful experience to, to your race 
you know, yeah, your roots are what's true to you or what speaks to you. And I feel like we are, we're right now living in a generation where a lot of people are fighting back and kind of resisting and really celebrating and tapping back into their culture or their ancestral roots or mm. indigenous language. And there's some, there's so many individuals now in our younger generations, like our, you know, millennials and even like younger generations that are really trying to really take back that narrative and mm. really connect to tradition and to culture and to kind of really f- to kind of bring it back, I guess, in a way, um, you know, if you spent so many years trying to fit in, right. And when mm-hmm. you take this veil off, mm. uh, it could, it creates anger or, or, you know, or yeah. trauma or just different things of, I spent so many years shedding beautiful parts of myself to fit into what I thought I needed to be yes. in order to survive in the United States as a person of color. Mm. Right. And La Luna, what you are referring to in that process, yes, there's actually a racial identity model that okay tell me a little bit more about that because i'm like "Hmm, what what is this you're talking about yeah so a lot of you have probably really resonated with what la luna said and i think we all organically think of this and it makes sense but there's actually a model a theory that can summarize and like walk us through what the five stages are for a person of color so first stage of a racial identity development Mm -hmm. is called the pre-encounter. So this is specifically for people of color. Um, This is where an individual wants to assimilate and be accepted by whites. Or when we say whites, we really just mean like dominant culture, Culture, Mm -hmm. mainstream, Um, and actively um, or passively just distances themselves from their own race. Um, So this is just like, you know, this distance is sort of like a way of them saying, well, my race is not really relevant in whether or not I can achieve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to try to get on this bandwagon and, and go for it. But then the next stage is encounter. And this is where there's either an event or a series of events that forces an individual to acknowledge that it, that racism actually does impact them um, in their own life. So they, they're faced with this reality that they actually can never truly be white. And we are never going to truly fit into the dominant culture. So this individual is forced to focus on his or her identity or their identity um, as a member of maybe a group targeted by racism. And this Mm -hmm. is where they start to have some self-awareness around racism and their own cultural identity. So the next phase of this model is called immersion. Mm -hmm. And this is where um, there's a simultaneous desire to surround oneself with visible symbols of their racial identity while while actively avoiding symbols of whiteness. Mm. Um, So in this stage, they actively seek out opportunities to fellowship with people in their own history and culture, Mm -hmm. um, and then um, only really socialize with peers from their own background, racial background. Yeah. So it's like opposite from that first stage. Yes. So they're like, hey, my race doesn't have anything to do with my achievement, and I'm just going to kind of jump on this bandwagon with everyone else and then realize... Oh, I am not immune to racism. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. have a race. Right. <laughs> and then that's where you were talking about La Luna. We're just like, hey, wait a second. I do have a race. Yeah. Like, and this is something I need to embrace. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the next page, the, so immersion is just where you're actively seeking that out, that fellowship. But yeah. then it goes a step further. Internalization. This is mm. the fourth stage. 
And so this is where you're secure in your own sense of racial identity. There's really, there's not as much of a need to assert like a browner than thou kind of attitude. Um, And so you're just sort of more expansive. You're open, you're less defensive. You're just more accepting. You don't have to perform your race or your racial Mm -hmm. identity. Yeah. This is where you can just be comfortably in it. Um, And they're also in this stage, because you're more comfortable with your identity and you don't have to perform it, you're also more comfortable creating actual meaningful relationship with whites and you're acknowledging that it's just because you just want to fellowship with them, but you're not trying to join their race or, you know, be accepted by them. Yeah. This is where you might also just have like white friends who you can say like, yeah, white fragility. That's a thing. Yeah. You know, versus before you would never say that like in a pre-encounter stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the last stage is um, in the commitment. So this in this stage, um, you find ways to translate your personal sense of race into like an action plan or a commitment to the concerns of your race. So this is where you're going beyond internalization and being comfortable. You're now looking around and saying, mm-hmm. okay, gente, what do we need to do to be better? Like, how yeah. can we lift each other yeah. up? Um, and the race becomes this point where they're discovering ideas experiences you know culture just they're they're really involved in the commitment of furthering their own racial identity but then also um they go beyond their race and they're able to just make friends and fellowship with other people so this is really that commitment to your race and maybe just commitment to the idea that there's vast cultures and vast experiences yeah and that nothing, it, pe- things don't fit into buckets anymore. Yeah. Wow. Kind of like where we, this moment here, yeah. where we're like, none of us have to perform us, ourselves. No, no, yeah. And we're looking at the vast range of folks, yeah. you know. I also would say that we're living in, in, in such different times and such intense times right now, just in, in general in history. Yeah. But I also feel like a lot of these these stages that you brought up in this model, we've seen it play out a lot lately. And just in the way that, you know, we're creating representation in like music and film, like in Mm -hmm. cinematography and different things. It's like, we're, we're seeing a lot more representation and individuals being comfortable and highlighting their Latinidad or their indigenous roots or this or this and that. So Mm -hmm. we're very much in a generation where we are very heavily focused on being upon a, unapologetically ourselves and and showing up and taking space and believing that we can be, you know, in the Senate and here in this and run for this and do for that. So it's interesting to see like progressively as, as a whole, this model is like playing out as a whole and you're Mm -hmm. seeing it in a more global level or a more macro level versus like Mm. the model talks about more of like a, of the self. Right. But, but we're actually in the time that we're living now in history, we're seeing it play out in a, in like a, in the macro way. You're right. Because I think uh, a Latinidad, our community in general, we're all starting to be more proud mm-hmm. of ourselves. You're right. And yeah. we're not hiding anymore. And proud and loud. That's yeah. right. So fill out your census. Um, yeah. And we want to be counted. We want to be seen. And we're creating spaces in cinematography and yes. music and shows that mm-hmm. are highlighting our cultures. Um, there, there are so many shows now that do highlight our culture that we never saw growing up. Yeah. And so there's just so much more representation and it creates this ability to be able to achieve certain levels of this, of this model now versus before when there was a lack of 
of representation and a lack of dialogue around this. And I think right now we're a lot more progressive in the way that we are talking about Latinidad and the way that we're showing up and creating space. Yeah. And I think also in this time, it's like there's so many dimensions to it when you see it on TV, as opposed to like a stereotypical what Americans think of what a Latina woman is or what Mm -hmm. a Latino male is. It's like now it's like, oh, this is a real person with real feelings and all these different complex dimensions to them absolutely right we're not we're just more than just one storied yeah Yeah. and we also call people to the carpet now Mm -hmm. for appropriation for erasure like the oscars you know how they did the whole like hashtag oscars so white yeah you know like those things so now we're calling people out instead of hiding so you're right i really think even though this model speaks to individuals yeah (laughs) i really think as a community we're probably going through this we're also calling out our own community too because even in the super bowl we had two huge individuals that identify as latinas but even that they also there was also a lot of conversations and talk about um again not creating spaces for our afro latin individuals Mm -hmm. like there wasn't that representation on at the Super Bowl bowl, and like, what does that look like? Mm. And is it really inclusive to all Latinidad? And so even within our own cultures, we're also having dialogue about this and talking about there's erasure still happening. Inclusivity is still not happening. And we're still representing white passing. Yeah. Latinas, Latinos, Latinx. And living in the gender binary. Mm hmm. Yeah. Certainly uphold, you know, those kind of homophobic and transphobic yeah. situation some some of some folks still. yeah so, so yeah there's some still wor- some work to do yeah I think. For, yeah for sure mm-hmm. so my next thing is all of the stuff that we've been talking about how does it tie into mental health Ooh, good mm-hmm. question very good because we you know we got to be true to who we are that's you know? right little clinicians over here therapists <laughs> over here i think this is a good time to bring up the a word because mm. mm. it's acculturation what? I'll say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> Acculturation. Acculturation. Okay, Acculturation. Tell me more about this uh, this word. Um, so I know you were already talking a little bit about it, touching it here and there. But this occurs when the minority culture changes, but is still able to re- retain unique cultural markers, language, food, and customs. Mm. So I know we were talking about this on and off already. Yeah. Um, but this just makes me think of just like I was talking about like the multiple generations in my family Mm -hmm. and they all came here at different times. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my parents came here as teenagers. So they only have like a few years in El Salvador, but then they like still stay really true to their culture, but at Mm -hmm. the same time adjusting to life in California and like having their kids come to school here and Mm -hmm. the medical system here and, having to embrace both worlds and um and i think everyone does it differently right yeah you can be a little bit more closer to your culture of origin or maybe a little bit more closer to your american culture um and like each sibling could be in a different spot every cousin could be in a different spot you're so right about that Um, yeah just how we like speak spanish some people don't speak spanish mm-hmm. or we speak spanglish yeah or la comida or la musica that we listen yeah. to it's just we're just in different spots absolutely yeah. we've got new generations of latinos who are doing like crossfit mm-hmm. i don't think some of my older cousins or abuelitos i'm like i'm guilty i did crossfit born. for a while but that's like it's <laughs> like very mainstream like very american to like have a gym membership 
Yeah. yeah. A lot of my family, they don't have gym memberships. Yeah. They certainly eat healthy and are health conscious and, and conservative, like they want to preserve resources in the earth and things, yeah. but they don't compost. Yeah. Right. They don't do like, yeah. So there's, I think there's some aspects that some of us now are living in this world where that's part of our lives now. Yeah. Um, and then we can think of family members who are not going to ever do that. That's just not something they acculturated yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not wrong. There's just mm-hmm. not a wrong or right way, way which yeah. is the whole point of our episode is all of these are valid. And if now you look at the racial identity model, you can now understand why some people that you know and love are at different points than you are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and We're why you're at a different, different point yeah. than the next person. And I think all these different points can cause distress sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's how this like ties more into mental health. It's yeah. just like the distress that it brings where maybe you feel like you're not at a point that you should be, or you're not like mm-hmm. at a point that your cousin is or your mom is. And maybe right. there's some guilt and shame about that. There is guilt and shame yeah. about that. Cause we all yeah. assume we started from the same point. Mm-hmm. So there's like this perfect Latino model that we're failing yeah. at. Or not, there's not enough you know, of. guilt and shame. There's also, yeah. also even maybe like, maybe even mourning too, because mm. I always wonder like if my parents experienced like any period of like mourning of our culture as they were trying to navigate raising children in the United States and we yeah. were growing up so differently and there was so much fear about how much of our culture are they going to retain? Are we raising them right? Are we raised like my dad would always say, are we raising them to be like spoiled Americans because that's not who we are. Mm -hmm. And that fear of how much do we speak Mm. our language, our native tongue and how much do we, you know, culture and assimilate. And so there was, um, it was always a challenge of like, do we continue to embrace Spanish or do we start speaking more the dominant language? And, And so I grew up, in a little bit of both. So um, a lot of my siblings and I um, speak Spanish fluently still, but it was very difficult to see our cousins who didn't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I, we rem- um, remember having conversations with them about how they always felt like the other or yeah. not enough. And then you throw in a whole nother mother effing curve bond. Then we got <laughs> my biracial cousins that yes. are like half black in half Mexican, they're like, what the hell? What does that mean? Can I say I'm let, like Afro-Latina? Like, what does that even a term? It's like, yeah. it's a mess. Also, yes, you can. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. it's all like, there's just so many layers. Absolutely. And we, like uh, La Rosa was saying, like, we grew up in the same community, but we were all so different in the way that our families were raising us and the way that some of us acculturated faster than others or chose to assimilate and others didn't. It's mm-hmm. just like, whoa. There right. was so like even to this day, I'm like, well, that's a lot of processing. That is a yeah. lot of processing. <laughs> right? But now we've given you a couple tools so far. We've given you some data yes. to demonstrate we are really all different. Same community, but different in other ways. Yeah. We also gave you a framework and a theory. So next time you have to go up against some folks in these conversations, yeah. maybe you'll have some tools. Um, and then we want to get a little bit more into mental health specifically. Yeah. Because there's some actually in- some interesting data about um, psychiatric disorders among people born here versus foreign born. Hmm. Uh, specifically with the Mexican population, there are actually higher psychiatric disorders in U.S. born Latinos of Mexican descent than those born in Mexico. Wow. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Yeah. 
I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. We do know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there is a theory. Well, like expanding on that theory, it could be that folks here feel acculturated or even assimilated Mm -hmm. where they might have, again, if they're early on in their identity model, they're like, I'm American. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But they face discrimination and prejudice and so they sort of have to be forced to look at their own race and realize yeah. that they get impacted by racism. Yeah. Um, and so that is very stressful, very painful, and discrimination is traumatic. Yeah. And so we do have a lot of folks here because they already orient themselves as American. They still feel that racism. Mm-hmm. Um, immigrants that come over, they, they've had really tough circumstances. And this is um, what the evidence is, says, is that because of their tough circumstances they come over here and find some reprieve from the immediate crisis they were in. Yeah. So for them coming here is a reprieve. Although again, you know, a caveat to that is immigration in itself is probably traumatic. Yeah. And I would question if there actually is more higher psychiatric disorders now, now. among immigrants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, there's something to say to that, that there's higher psychiatric disorders with us born Latinos. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I wonder what it's like, um, because I know we only have data for Mexicanos. Yeah. Like what it would be like for other cultures or other countries. And there wasn't too much out there. Yeah. I would love to share more. And there wasn't a lot. So again, that's even researchers are just overgeneralizing or focusing on Mexican population. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that is, I would love to know that too. Yeah, or things are just over censored and we don't make it out here because some, yeah, I have privilege. I've had some amazing conversations with friends that are from Puerto Rico and a lot of the conversations that we have are conversations that never make it into our media. And so stuff like this, you think it has to be, well, yeah, the data is there, but no one is telling the stories and Mm. no one is, you know, bringing it out to light. It's not making it's way over here. Right. You know, so just we're heavily censored on what we have access to here um, in the U S versus what's really going on, you know, beyond us. Exactly. That's very true. Um, in addition to psychiatric disorders, they did find a correlation between discrimination and prejudice experiences mm-hmm. and increase in um, alcohol and drug use disorders in our population, Latina, Latino, Latinx folks. Um, so in terms of mental health and our level of where we where are in our identity, mm-hmm. I can kind of understand why somebody would acculturate pretty quickly yeah. because that's how they might feel safe. Yeah. That Make, makes sense. Me making some sense of their world and a sense of belonging, mm-hmm. at least right away until you're able to kind of have those more in-depth, complicated, complex thoughts of like, wait a minute. Yeah. Who am I really? Right. Because think about different settings, like your first year in college. Mm-hmm. Oof, that's rough. That's I rough. See, I see a lot of freshmen. They're all crying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Or even when it's not funny. I know, it's just but it made us that. laugh. Okay, just yeah, disclaimer. Sorry, sorry. The this my therapist. Not it's not crying, but it's just like it's a rough transition. It's yeah. a rough transition for any freshman from yeah. going to college to. Like, I mean, going from high school mm-hmm. to college or university, right. but specifically like first gen students or right. uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx students, you can see it's just like 
my parents don't understand what I'm doing here. And yeah. honestly, I don't understand and what I'm doing right. here. And you, you yeah. can't do things like pack your salsa with jalapenos, right? Because all yeah. your white friends are going to be like, whoa, I, can, I don't eat spicy. Like, yeah. I remember my family cooks food very spicy. And so I love hot foods. Yeah. And what was really hard was when I would go out with my friends yeah. who are not Latinos and... They would be like, oh, no, we got to get the, not even mild, like yeah. not even mild. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to order my own thing because yeah. or I'm going to order some extra jalapenos on the yeah. side because I really need that kick. Yeah. You know, just yeah. it's like in the tiniest ways, you know, you I'm tempted to just sometimes be like, yeah, yeah, we'll just get no spice. Yeah, for sure. Like it's those yeah. little moments you give up yeah. just to be safe, just yeah. to be, you know, involved. Yeah. And I yeah. always think about that, too. And imagine also when you're a child and you don't even have the language and oh you don't gosh, have that lens, right. like oh it's so much trauma. Like even talking to him, like it brought me back to when I was a kid and I was in schools where there were certain culture mm -hmm. races that were a lot more dominant. And I remember I used to like roll up with like my burritos and things like that. In a young age, I started noticing like I'm different. Mm -hmm. Like these kids have the little uppity ass Lunchables wow. and I'm only up with the bean <laughs> and cheese burrito. I remember that. I just wanted to bring my yeah, own lunch But I remember yeah. that I started feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Like that I was, that wow. something was wrong with me. Yeah. And I remember I would Ooh. go home and I would tell my mom, like, I don't want to eat this food like i want those lunchables but also they're hella expensive yeah, so my also, mom's like tu madre, i'm not buying you that the burrito's probably even more yummier yeah oh, but it just they look so different. different right yeah it's, but when you're here in the u.s <laughs> our food looks gross it looks disgusting it looks weird like when you're yeah. a kid when you're a kid try explaining how you like menudo to your friends when yeah you're in third grade just like try explaining <laughs> and at that time i was in first grade so try explaining to all these little kids you know your burrito they're like yeah ill Exactly. We have sandwiches. We have goldfish. Right. We have this. We don't like have Doritos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I like would go home crying like I don't want to eat this stuff, you yeah. know. And I didn't wow. understand why I couldn't have these things, or the way that I dress. Like, you know, my parents are hitting up a swami la segunda. Like, girl, I was. We yeah. had whatever clothes we could afford, and I didn't have the limited two clothing. Okay, right. shout out to anybody knows that that's that limited two. Okay, it changed. Dang, that hit a nerve. What is it called now? Justice? It's justice, yeah. Okay, but let me tell you, when I got my first pink limited two shirt with a little cat riding a tricycle, girl girl <laughs> thought she made a big in life. Nice. Because I was so excited to go home I see to a school with oh. my limited two outfit. The only outfit I got because that's what my mom could afford. I thought I was coming up in life. I'm yeah. like, wow, I fit in. I have my little limited two outfit. I got my Lunchable. I'm ready to take on the world. But yeah. like how messed up is that? That wow, at, at yes. first grade, I start, we, you know, a lot of children start to realize I'm different. No, we're not different. But in the U.S., that's what we're made to believe. Oh, you're mm. not fitting in with us. Your skin color doesn't quite fit. Your clothes, your language, your hair. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that is a lot of complex internalized trauma that right as adults it's like if we're fortunate enough we can do the work and have language to process it mm -hmm. i think there's another layer to that too like even if there's a like a dominant culture within the latino culture mm -hmm. or oh, yeah. a different country mm -hmm. oh, and then they're that. like tell us more about <laughs> that talk about that i mean a little snap so snap, it's snap. just like if you're not like for me i'm central american so like going to school i probably uh where i grew up there's mainly latino students or mexican students yeah. so just being like oh give me like they would just say things in spanish because we could speak spanish yeah. at school and i'm just like 
what what are you talking about i'm like i call it this like um a cincho yeah do you yeah. know what a cincho yeah. is mm-hmm. uh, pero like other people call it a cinto yeah or mm-hmm. like we say pajillas yeah and that's straws i don't know what you guys call them pajillas we don't call them pajillas i don't i don't know what that is but yes you're right Mm -hmm. a straw yeah i don't think we call it that also but that's another layer for me is we grew up speaking a lot of slang and Mm. a lot of improper spanish ah i see so we wouldn't even in my family we wouldn't even pronounce things like the way that if i went to mexico and talk like that they would eat me alive and instantly yeah. know that i was from the united states yeah because i we spoke very informally yeah so i think just being like maybe the one of the only central american kids at least i in elementary yeah. school you're not asking like what are you or like right. where's your family from just feeling like maybe i'm not latina enough because i don't eat the same foods that these kids eat or i don't mm. say the same words or listen to the say. same music or yeah i'm like yeah. i don't listen to banda or to corridos wow. yeah or all so those you things. were even internalizing oh, like man. yeah like yeah. we don't wear boots i don't know how to dance <laughs> these dances so yeah. like when i went to like quinceañeras I, or like different parties i just felt like so out of place i'm just wow. like wow i like, I know this is, like, part of my culture, but this isn't, like, my country Ooh, of origin. Yeah. And I'm just, right. like, I'm going to just sit here. <laughs> I'm going to just sit here. Right? <laughs> and or, it, like, I think the Spongebob meme. Which, All right, in I'm that whole out. time, it was just that you were from a different country. Yeah. yeah. So it's, like, a, that double layer yeah. of, like, trying to uh, acculturate to the American culture, but also yeah. trying to acculturate to wow. just the Latino culture yes. as well that yeah. was dominant. So I, I'm just, like... I think it took me a long time to figure out, like going through this like model, maybe yeah. going through it like twice and mm-hmm. being like, I'm okay being Central American. Yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. Now I know that it's okay to be me. And, yeah. And you know, yeah. I remember the pain when I, you know, I grew up with really curly hair yeah. and mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> but I just knew that, you know, all the little boys were crushing on all the little white girls with straight hair. And, you know, and so you just like, I remember like combing my hair out wishing for it to be straight and of course not knowing that there's a thing called a straightener so i would just brush my hair out then go to school with like a big old like curl like a brushed out curl fro and so and i just you know it was just you can imagine i step into shoes of people who go through this all the time that it's so painful to be different when you're young and especially when you add on cultural norms Mm -hmm. that you're straddling and then you can see why there is, you know, a link to things like um, alcohol and drug use disorders. Because remember, addiction disorders really happen because of lack of connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is really where addiction Jeez, comes yeah. from. Um, so I can see how all of this ties into mental health and why we need to be gentle with folks that are just that are expressing their Latinidad different than us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because now we've got the language and the tools to understand why that might be. And there is no right way. There is no yeah. standard. Mm-hmm. And when we do try to set a standard, um, I think it causes harm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we should just embrace all the different dimensions and aspects of it and just like right. help each other up, even if it's different from us. Exactly. We're still going to help you. Exactly. So I'm thinking we take a little break. And yes. when we come back, uh we can share with you from a different set of experts our listeners yeah because we put out some questions to them and they gave us some really great answers and they're amazing yep Yep. and we definitely definitely want to take some time to highlight some of those yeah 
So we're going to share that after our break. Yeah. See you soon. Hello, everyone. <laughs> that was a good little break. Yeah. 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 All right. So we actually posed some questions about this topic yes. to our listeners in February. Yep. And we're just going to read some of these because all of you are also experts in this topic. Yes. And we're really excited about them. Also, if you weren't selected, you know, just know we loved and appreciate oh, everyone's yes. comments. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't have time to read every single one, but just know that we truly appreciate everyone's um, input. And there definitely is going to be opportunities in the future um, to maybe have some more comments read on our episodes. Oh, absolutely. We're not done with this. Yeah. So yeah. let's get into the first one, La Sirena. Okay. So the question we posed to the community was, what does Latinx mean to you? And by that, we'd mean Latina, Latino, Latinx. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of our listeners said, it's a term for queer, gender nonconforming, trans, non-binary folks to use within the Latino community, which hasn't made space for them due to homophobia, transphobia, and misogyny. Yes. The other listener that uh, we're going to read said, what Latinx means to me is a place of belonging. For a long time, I felt like I wasn't Latina enough for not knowing Spanish or not acting like or having the personality of Latinas, in parentheses, whatever that means. <laughs> Latinx offered me an alternative way to identify with my Latin culture that is all-inclusive and all-accepting, but is still rooted in my culture. Overall, Latinx captured everything of who I am. Yes. And I really loved those comments because it was just nice to hear like that perspective of the term. Like, yeah, because I know Latinx could throw people off. So it was cool to see just the variation in the responses that we got. Absolutely. So our next one was, what do you love about being Latinx? So the first listener wrote the pride of our people's resilience and ability to adapt in order to thrive. The nonstop tequila shots with ridiculous jokes and wordplay. The conversations on how to use our education and privilege to make our community a better place. The strong cultural values that are passed down in their own unique ways. Running into another Latinx person and knowing that at some basic level you have shared experiences that can bond over. Mm -hmm. And then our next listener wrote... We, I'm uniquely, I'm uniquely mixed and not a one size fits all culture. Our differences is our strength and beauty. We are adaptable and resilient, transformative and eternally rooted, rooted to these lands, rooted to our ancestors, remaining and continuously committed to the fighting for our future generations and arming them with the knowledge and pride that was given to us. I love that I get to be a part of the tradition of transmission as a mother and hopefully an abuelita one day. That's beautiful. I yeah. know that one kind of read like a poem to me. So I hope I did that one justice. Oh yeah. Those, both of those comments. Super Thank you awesome. so much. Yeah, Thank you. Really great. So mm-hmm. then our last question we posted was, what term do you use? Um, one listener said indigenous. I am not Hispanic, mestizo, Latin, Latinx, Chicano, or anything else. Another listener said, I like hearing folks say raza. My, uh, me, Paisanos, even from different países, use more broadly brown mm-hmm. folks, compas, compadres, comadres, hermanex too. And the third listener wrote, Mi gente, comunidad, familia, la raza, el barrio, los hijex del sol, la gente de maíz. 
Wow. Oh, I love those. Those too. are all great. That's so cute because there are a lot of those that's like would have never come to me. And I'm like, I really love some of those terms. But I resonate when I hear yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So as you can see, we all embrace our culture differently, but just with the same level of love. Yeah. And commitment to our culture. And we all vary differently in the way that we identify yeah. and what Latini that means to us. Right. And like the moral of this podcast is there's no right way to be Latina, Latina, or Latinx. It's basically the moral of this yes. episode today. That's right. So take yeah. care of your mental health and your wellness. Do what makes sense for you. Yes. And um, embrace your culture in a way that makes you feel safe and, and your sense of belonging is important to us. Yes. So, um, you know, connection, again, if you don't have healthy connections can lead to some addiction mm-hmm. issues. So I think we take this co- topic pretty serious yeah. and we want to make sure we get you ready with tools and frameworks to and just language to have yes, this dialogue and to exactly pe- peel back the layers and just be able to share experiences and have the language to support and validate your experiences. Yeah. yeah. And also come from a place of love mm-hmm. to listen yes. to other people's stories and be able to support them. Yeah. And understanding yes. even if it's different from yours that's right we're gonna uplift ourselves and each other mm-hmm. yes yeah. so thank you for listening to our podcast um check out um our apple podcast profile yeah. and leave us five stars leave us a review we love to hear from you all continue commenting on our posts and i think that's all we got for today i thank think you. this was great thank you thank everyone you. that participated and for inspiring this episode we appreciate it yes definitely so until next time we'll see you later adios, adios.